Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Take This Job and Love It. This is a podcast from the Office of Career Strategy at Yale University talking about the different aspects of the job search and the uh, eternal quest for professionalization where we help demystify various aspects of the job search process and help you get on your way. Uh, My name is Brian Fournette, and I'm one of the senior associate directors here at the Office of Career Strategy. And I'm joined today by... Stephanie Waite. I'm with the Office of Career Strategy's Common Good and Creative Careers team. I'm Molly Groon. I'm a PhD student in biomedical engineering at Yale and a fellow at the Office of Career Strategy. And I'm Meredith Mira. Um, I am an advisor at the Office of Career Strategy, working primarily with undergrads and am part of our new STEM Connect initiative. Today, we are here to talk to you about the concept of cover letters, which is one of those famous, I don't know, famous, but one of those common things. Famous. Not famous at all. <laughs> but it's one of those uh, common things where people are like, really, this? And then we all have to shake our head and say, yeah, that. So one of those things that, that come along with the application process, but it presupposes a number of different things about understanding you know, your own experiences and background, your own professional narrative, the needs, wants, and interests of the position and the employer itself. It's a classic place for people to trip up and stumble when it comes to the application process. It can sometimes either slow individuals down or just dishearten them from the whole thing. So today we're going to help uh, individuals – we're going to help you try to understand how to best avoid those those pratfalls and and, and maybe just start off with like what's the the purpose of this thing? Because does anyone really read cover letters? Mm. Oh, Meredith. Most, oh, naive Meredith. <laughs> most definitely. In fact, we've had many employers come to our office and say, oh, we made the cover letter optional, but um, it was really nice to get to know the students a little bit more based on what they were able to share in a cover letter. So even those optional statements around cover letters and applications, we most certainly encourage students to go ahead and craft one. They're never optional. No. No, no, no. sad but true. They're not. And I kinda and I think that they actually serve a twofold purpose, right? Like so yes, of course you're crafting a narrative that's for a particular employer or organization or for a particular position, but it also gives you that time to sit back and reflect and go, oh, what have I done and who am I and what am I all about and how does this relate to the position that I'm looking to pursue. Right. It's, it's, it's a rare opportunity in, in something that is uh, very fleeting and very quick and very surface level. Even the best resume is somewhat surface level and is also, uh, you know, you, you hear about it's looked at for 30 seconds or something like that. A cover letter is at least one additional opportunity to better contextualize yourself and to show a, a glimmer of personality and motivation behind all of these things. So it's a little... It's an additional contextual lens that we don't often get otherwise um, right. in, in that first impression. And so a, a key way by which we can help evidence or answer the question of, like, why this job? Um, and I, I, don't, I don't really know why anyone would want to miss out on that other than the fact, <laughs> other than the fact that writing them is terrible right. and <laughs> generally don't like it. And it takes time. Yeah. And, you know, I could, be, I could be belting out 50 resumes if you only didn't get in my way with these, these pesky cover letters, right? Well, Brian, with that, you, you mentioned the whole statistic of employers only look at your resume for 30 seconds. Do they really read the cover letter? Well, that, I mean, I, 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 it is worth assuming yes. Um, I think to Meredith's example and to, to what Stephanie mentioned, like 
they want to get that sense of why you want to be there, especially I think imagine if you can imagine the more competitive the firm, why would how would they vet? And I think that's one possible way that they could further vet out an array of applications. So it it behooves you to to try and prop up your application as best as possible. A, a, a sort of caveat to that question that other people throw at me is, well, what do they look at first? So if, I, if I'm going to agree with you that they'll look at it, which one are they going to look at first? And again, there's, I don't know if there's a universal answer to that. I just always assume, again, to make sure you're writing the best one possible, that that's what they're going to look at first. They want to see the human motivation behind you and, and why this application. Then they'll look at your particulars. Hmm. I would but, have assumed the other way around. Right? That and, if and, your resume catches their eye, they might read your cover letter. And that's just as likely and just as valid. I like – again – when I'm writing the cover letter, that's how I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. When I write the resume, maybe I'll think that way, right? Because it just motivates me to make sure that this is as as locked tight as I can possibly make it in terms of being the best thing, I, the best representation of myself. But that still doesn't help us necessarily. Be, the, the, this question is still out there of like, what does this document need to be? What does it look like? Why? What makes one good effectively? So we have a lot of students who come into our office, um, students or postdocs for that matter, who come and have an example of uh, a cover letter. And what I often see is that it's the narrative form of the resume. Ah, the prose version of the resume. <laughs> the prose version of the resume. I think so, nobody wanted or asked for. <laughs> and so most people listening right now are thinking, Really? That's not what like, the cover oh, letter God. is. So it's like, <laughs> not that, uh-oh, that's what I do. So what is this thing? So uh, when I think about a cover letter, so you've got your resume, and the resume is intended to showcase your skills. And it's true, it would be great to modify your resume depending on what you're applying for. But let's assume you don't. Let's just assume you have one resume that showcases all of your skills. And then on the other hand, you have this job description which highlights the skills that are necessary for that job. And we would look at, or I would look at, the cover letter as the thing that merges those two together. So how can you contextualize your skill set that's on your resume um, and make it point towards how you are a good fit for the job description and the skills that they are looking for? And that that's how you're fitting this in between. So the cover letter, certainly like the resume, is still focused on skills But those skills need to relate to that job. That employer needs to know, oh, they can actually help me solve my problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think think appealing to that that reader, that hiring manager, whomever the the reader of the document could be, striking that appeal is is the primary objective. And that comes through the narrative composition of answering some very key questions as they relate to the qualifications themselves. And, and I think we – and I think the – you know, for, for the purpose of today to talk about sort of the nuts and bolts of, of the cover letter, I think it's worth acknowledging that there are a couple different ways that these can be constructed. I think it, they're all variations on a, on a consistent theme. Um, but I, I often look at the, the initial paragraph as the, the sort of opener as like the, the brain stem or the spinal column of the, the nervous system, if you will, of the entire letter to say like you have to answer – That's a vivid imagination yeah. you have there. I, you know, I was reading a biology textbook on my way in. But uh, <laughs> nice. that's what I do, just Solid. walking around town. Um, but the idea here is to answer three basic questions. And if those questions are answered in that initial paragraph, you'll likely – uh, keep the attention of the, the reader throughout. And so the first one is, and these are very basic, but who are you and why are you here? You know, 
why this job or why this employer? And this is also that second one is where you can like drop a name. That's always fun. And then the third thing is, uh, the third aspect of it is to identify like a preview statement, like you would like a thesis. And the thesis is related to the qualifications of the job. So, you know, my name is Brian and I'm applying for job X at Company Y. After speaking with so-and-so who works in the XYZ department at Company Y, I'm really interested in Company Y's initiatives in X, Y, and Z. Uh, and then you can say, you know, finally, I understand that you are seeking someone with qualifications A, B, and C, and I believe I reflect the skills necessary for the job and make a contribution. And the rest of that letter is then focused on the details of A, B, and C qualifications, connecting them to the resume while not reciting the resume, He's sort of giving the best possible example that you have to showcase sort of the, the shining gem. <laughs> and, and I think that's really key, that demonstrating by way of example mm-hmm. and not simply listing the skills um, and telling them, oh, I have all the things that you're looking for, but how are you proving or showing that? And the way, the best way to do that is by way of example. And, and I think that's a common area for, for the gaffe is where it's like, well, okay, because of that, I'm going to give you all the examples, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then you get you know, like a three-page cover letter. And uh, that, that's, that's some trickery, you know? That's tough. It's tough to resist the urge, <laughs> right. Right? right? So what does it look like when your cover letter repeats your resume? So what do we mean by that? Because now you're thinking, well, I could still maybe write this so that it repeats my resume. I don't want to do that. How do I not do that? So most of the time when I see a cover letter that repeats a resume, um, it's that the middle paragraphs that Brian has just set up for us um, tend to be also uh, paragraphs that are listed in reverse chronological order. Mm -hmm. So they start with, uh, okay, I've got my setup paragraph. You know, I have some skills I could bring to the table. Last summer, I did an internship at (laughs) Company X. At Company X, I did this, this, and this. The summer before that, I did an internship at Company Y. There, I did this, this, and this. And you can see how if you set up those paragraphs as sort of reverse chronological order experiences, that is exactly what you're doing in your resume. So instead, what we want you to do is in paragraph number two, say, um, You know, over the past three years, I've developed a uh, strong ability to communicate across uh, diverse audiences. I've done this in this way. I've done this in this way. I've done this in this way. So it's a skill that you're highlighting, not the internship that you did last summer. Bingo. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's so crucial because, again, you're you're helping boil this larger experience down for that reader and striking, you know, a very clear appeal uh, as it relates to the position. Now, that in mind, you know, Molly, how does this all sound to you? What are we, what are we thinking? You're, <laughs> well, you're, 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 what do you think, Molly? Well, yeah. well I, I think that, that that made a lot of sense, and I really – I thought that was a really great example in a way to highlight the difference between highlighting your experiences and highlight, highlighting your skills with the experiences that example as examples. But I think where I really struggle is the, the part um, where you have to – Describe why you're interested in a company. <laughs> I mean, that sounds dumb. Like you should know why you're interested in a, in a company, but um, I just don't know what the types of things are that companies want to hear. Or you know, what if you don't know that much about the company, but you think you might be interested in it? You know, what are the types of things that you can say to demonstrate your interest in in your prior research of a company? I I, I often uh, go in the direction of thinking about those statements as values-based statements right. or perhaps interest-based statements. But, 
you know, it's a it's a way of demonstrating that you understand what's happening at that organization and what their main goals and objectives are, and you can um, you can most certainly align yourself with that. So cer- certainly, I would never give you some kind of formulaic way of of um, writing this down in your cover letter. But I often encourage students to think about it in terms of how are they articulating their values in a way that looks like a hook, that is a hook, um, that showcases an alignment of values between who you are as an individual and who they are as an organization. Um, And then that lends itself to then talking about uh, your specific skills and the experiences that support them. So So how might someone find out what the values are of a company? Yeah, so. <laughs> That's a great question. That's a great. There's, there's three things that jump out at me, and I mean, it, let's go with the most obvious. We'll go from uh, easiest to most complicated. And I think the easiest is if you look at you, typically and traditionally, the first few paragraphs of a job description will typically focus on a description of the company itself and will try or attempt to touch on some of the values aspects that, that Stephanie mentioned. So that sometimes is right there in front of you. But because it also looks like the driest aspect of the <laughs> whole thing, because you're like, I don't know, I just want to apply to this job, we sometimes skip that. But there's a lot in there, and usually you can tease out some of the material that you may want to, to reflect on in that, you know, again, maybe one or two sentences at the top in the first paragraph. Another place, again, very a little, maybe a little less dry, but uh, maybe medium drier still. It depends on your perspective of it and how it's medium written. Medium dry. Medium dryness. <laughs> medium dryness is the, um, the mission statement of an organization, yes. which would lo- likely appear on a web- on you know, the website somewhere. And you can look into that for another aspect of, of, you know, a statement of values by that organization. And that might be more broad, right? So, you know, the, the, the job description may touch on the department's values or mission or objective or interests. And then the last one, and this will be a, a plug for our, another episode of our podcast, is is networking, right? And so networking is a great way for you to engage with people who work in those companies or work in that industry or work in that type of profession, job function, if you will, to understand that maybe the skills necessary that'll help you with other parts of that cover letter, that'll help um, drive at sort of the ethos of that role or that organization in some way, shape, or form that'll also help inform how it connects to you as an individual. But that also re- requires you to know why, like know about you and know how does this you know, intrigue you in any way. That's where I was going to go, actually, is that I would start with self. I would say... Um, you know, I have a, a number of students who come in. Let's let's say there are a lot of students who come in who want to do consulting, for example, and they think that um, they need to highlight why do I want to work with this particular consulting company. And so they're saying, like, I don't know, what what how does this how do we differentiate these various consulting companies? Oh, I've heard they do really good professional development. So in my opening paragraph, I'm going to say, I really want to work for this consulting company because you all do really good professional development. And that does not sound exciting or interesting, or I don't think it it shows the company why it is you actually care about working for them, even though you've done your homework and found out something about the company (laughs) Mm -hmm. and made it specific. I would make an argument that I want for you to dig into why it is that helping, you know, organizations of whatever flavor, since there's lots of different kinds of consulting out there, why do you want to help these organizations do better at their work? What has happened in your life over the past 10 years, 15 years, or even two years or the last year that has made you really interested 
in helping to improve processes. I want something that is about who you are and what you care about. And I think that that comes through so clearly in the opening of a cover letter when someone really is doing some looking at self and is able to bring that out and then draw some sort of connection between what you care about and that company rather than, oh, these are all the things that your company does, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They already know that. The company already knows what they do. Mm-hmm. They do. And, and they know that they're using it as ways to entice you to to want to come and work for them, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes that can actually come across as, oh, you're going to help me grow professionally. Right. Thank you, organization. And that might not actually give you the hook that you're looking for. You know where I see that that happen where that the that bad habit really presents itself and it's the difference and we can talk about whether this is good or bad but I see when um, I found this most pervasive with undergrads more regularly than graduate students will do internships and for an internship cover letter the tone is I can't wait to learn from company X about something because it's an internship it's experiential right. there's a vocational component to it a visceral component to it that will help improve the skills of that individual I think there's a validity in that. We can discuss whether you Sure. You want to be open. Yeah. You want to say, I, I am actually ready to learn. Because that's the right? ethos of an internship. Of course. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But if you carry that into a full-time job, now I'm relying on you because you're part of my team. And I'm taking some risk in hiring this person, whoever it is. And you're going to come at me with one of the base first impressions and be like, I am an incomplete product and I would love to be completed. <laughs> you know, like, I would love right. to learn from That's you right. on the spot when the pressure's on. That's a very potentially dangerous way to convey yourself. And so the, the, the knowing of yourself and knowing what you bring to the table and how it may dovetail with the needs, wants, and interests of that organization via that letter is really, really key. And I, I see that across all walks of life in terms of how those letters are sometimes written. It's like, oh, we're doing this the internship way, Mm. but you're applying for a full-time – you're applying to a six-figure full-time job. (laughs) (laughs) I want to learn from you company is probably not a good way to convey that out the gate. And that's where that getting the answers to the questions before you even take the exam, Mm -hmm. right? And this being the drawing the parallel here of of what a cover letter can really do for you is show them that you – you have the answers. You have an understanding of what this organization does, how they do it, and how you are you have you are a natural alignment for that type of role and that kind of work. Mm-hmm. And one other way you can showcase that is in some of your middle paragraphs. So if right. in those middle paragraphs you've got a skill that you're trying to highlight, right? So we're each of those middle paragraphs. Let's go back to writing 101. I want a strong topic sentence. I want to be able to read the first sentence of each of those middle paragraphs and know exactly what skill it is that you're trying to highlight. Because <laughs> if I'm going to pick up a cover letter and I'm going to skim that, I'm going to look for my uh, the- my thesis statement at mm-hmm. the end of the first paragraph, right? What are the skills you're bringing? I want to look at my topic sentences of each middle paragraph and then well, we can talk about what the closing should look like. But um, in that middle paragraph, so if you highlight, um, you know, I've got this strong uh, ability to communicate across diverse uh, populations. Um, I give an example or two of how I've developed that over the course of various internships or you know student organizations I belong to. At the end of that paragraph, if there's a way to then say this, I would bring this skill into this role and hopefully contribute to this particular aspect of this role in this way, even the better. Because then they're really seeing, 
oh, you know, she has really thought about not only what her skill set is that relates to our job, but she is going a step further in telling me how that skill set might help her in this role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, speaking of the, um, you know, writing skills and such, um, I've always felt like a person who is not very good at writing. Um, I'm a scientist. I can do science. Writing has always been a big struggle for me, but I know I'm going to have to write cover letters, et cetera, to apply to jobs. Do you guys have any specific tips for people who feel intimidated by writing, like resources or um, things that people who are afraid of writing should do to start writing a cover letter? Well, I I mean, I'll, I'll, I know, I know Mary has got a couple, <laughs> couple good ideas here. Uh, she's just gone through a, a rather thorough process for, for us in our office. But I, I, I see, coincidentally, I see the resume as the root of all of this. And so if you are, have yet to really uh, exhaustively consider your impacts, the impact you've had and the roles that you've had, the experiences you've had previously to justify why this job, you're really going to have a hard, hard time writing that letter. And so... Um, I see the resume as sort of the genesis point that then helps the cover letter become its own thing that then helps you in the interview. I see them all in, in, in a, you know, on a spectrum. And so I, I would start, and I, I'm sure my colleagues here will compl- you know, add to this process and complement the, 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 you know, all these things, putting, putting them together, is that you, the, the, the reflective component of this is so elemental. And you have to know with confidence your, the impact and the roles that you've had. And, that, and we've talked about this in other episodes where you know, how, how scary is the term impact and, and accomplishment and all of that. And, and the bar is still delightfully low. The <laughs> idea here is just to know where you've made your inroads. And from there, it becomes a narrative form of storytelling, and the writing will come, you know, we, with with some drafting, of course. But the writing comes by knowing what material you have to work with initially. So one of the things that I would say is, you should come in and talk to us. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that, and and you know, for those of you who are at Yale, you can come into our office and make one-on-one appointments. And those of you who are not at Yale, I, I think you should work with somebody to actually um, try to get that person sitting across from you to elicit some of the details of these stories. So often when I'm meeting with a student um, and, you know, either it's looking at their resume, which I agree, Brian, that that's the, the sort of starting point for all of this. So even if it's writing a bullet on their resume um, and I see that it's very high level and I want more nuanced detail I'm, you know, I'll just say, wait, 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 okay, so what exactly did you do? Oh, well, I organized this. Well, no, but really, what did you do? Take me through it. What did you do first? And then what? And as they're saying this, I'm writing it. Yeah. And then I am literally turning it around to them and saying, this is what you just said. You know, I've written it in my words, but how would you put that in your words? And the next thing you know, they're like, oh, I guess that that does sort of narrate a little bit more of what I've done. Um, and I think it would be similar in a cover letter kind of instance where I'm asking you, well, how how have you showcased this skill? Tell me about it. Let me write this down for you. Let me turn it around. How does that sound? That thinking, writing, speaking, cyclical process, it doesn't just happen solo, right? So, so <laughs> to Meredith's point, you can't just sit there and, and will it on your own. You may have some ideas of things that you've done and how you've done it and what processes you've undertook and who you worked with and those kinds of things. And we have a whole litany of questions on our website that guide students in these kinds of ways. But getting somebody across the table from you to 
to ask you some of these key questions. How did you do that? Who did you do that with? What were some of the results? What was the impact? You know, and being accurate. So sometimes, especially from scientists, I'll hear, um, well, no, I, I don't want to be braggadocious, right? <laughs> braggadocious. <laughs> I don't, I mean, perhaps I don't word? use that term. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to be braggadocious, right? But we also don't want you to be so humble that you're not being accurate. So it's about how you work through that process to elicit those accuracies around what you did, how you did it, what kind of results came about because of your actions and because of your your contribution. The antithesis of this can result in these very broad swaths of your background that are so sort of generalized that they're they're unintentionally damning, right? So sometimes people say like, well, my academic background has prepared me for this mm-hmm. role. And it's like, oh, what am I about to read about? And, <laughs> you know, all of it? I don't want to read about all of it. Or more damagingly, they will say, well, I feel like you know, because it's court, this my example here is more course related. So I've seen this with the undergrads I've worked with where they'll say, well, while at Yale, I took this class and that class and this other class where I learned about these things. And, and that is part of the collective tapestry of one's experience, but that is a very weak argument to base skill development on. Yeah. It sounds so passive too. Almost like someone just put you on a conveyor belt and then you yeah. just like, you know, traveled along the way and things were thrown at you and you're like, yeah, <laughs> and I did these things. Right. And while I don't doubt these people were working hard at this, right. it sounds like, <laughs> it sounds just like I was in the room and this was mentioned. And that's, yeah. and it's again, it, and it also has the airs of like, well, and in the context of where we work, it would be like, well, I was at Yale. And so? So, yeah. so what? Talk to me about what you've done. Tell me about where your skills are. How have they developed over the course of time? Show me that. And then we can, you know, that will convince me. Um, so um, it becomes a, a, you know, the storytelling component of it and where you are, how high level of you you've choos- you chose to begin can really make an impact. And you really have to see it very close up. Um, and that requires, to Stephanie's point, you have to be, yeah, writing it helps and going through all these drafts, but sometimes just talking about it. Once you realize like, oh my good God, I have not thought about this in a way where I can even state five sentences aloud about what this role did for me, <laughs> that's going to be telling. Yeah. And uh, sometimes that can truly reveal where you're at in, in this process. And this isn't even the most complicated part of it. Not to say that it's hard, but it just requires us to actually put the effort in. And something like a cover letter to to the point you know that was mentioned about like, do I need to even do this? This is the part that is mistakenly, in our opinion, perceived as, you know, voluntary. And we're talking about how ele- how essential it can be in terms of telling a, a good story. And one thing I'm thinking about in terms of, um, you know, you're a scientist, Molly, right? You're mm-hmm. um, and you do you work in a lab? Yeah. Okay. So you're working in a lab. Biomedical engineering, yeah, right? Correct. Um, many times I see, especially with grad students and postdocs, um, they leave their lab experiences at the door mm-hmm. when they're writing a cover letter. And I, oh, no, 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 you've worked so hard at <laughs> this and there's Absolutely. so much that you can extrapolate from that. And so one of the things that I'm often doing um, with grad students and postdocs is saying, like, what do you do in your lab? You know, and then generally I think... 
correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of grad students and postdocs will think like nobody wants to know (laughs) what it is that I'm doing in the lab. And it's (laughs) it's really jargony and tedious and no one wants to know. But the thing, and this sort of gets into a, a broader spectrum of, you know, conversation around transferable skills. But what I will start to say is, but okay, I mean, so you're a scientist working in a lab. Do you ever have any problems come up? Oh, all the time. Okay. Every day. <laughs> Every day. Tell me about one. <laughs> Tell me, how do you work through that? What do you do? Who do you turn to? How do you do this? Do you think you've developed some skills around how to solve problems since you do it every single day? Yeah. And then we build a paragraph out of that. And what do you know? I've got this thing that I do every single day that I don't even think about mm-hmm. as a skill set because literally I'm swimming in problems in a lab all the time. And I think no one cares about this because, my gosh, how tedious and boring. I mean, I don't know if you think it's tedious and boring. <laughs> um, oh, I would say so. But also, um, I, I've also read more about the transferable skills that PhD students have. And, you know, problem solving is certainly one of them. That's what entirely what a PhD is. But we also work in teams a lot. So there's a lot of teamwork that we do, collaborations with other labs. I mentor undergraduate students. Even, I think, if you put TAing in the right light, you can say you managed a classroom of students. And, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of meat there. Spot on. Spot on. And, you know, um, challenges and problem solving is a lot of what employers want to see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, don't, you know, certainly you don't want to dismiss any of these experiences. It's just about figuring out how you want to relay that information in writing to an employer. Absolutely. I think ultimately, you know, to, 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 to put a little bit of a summary on this, we're trying to think about ways by which we can shed the fear of putting ourselves out there of how to tell that story and to realize that that story comes with a fair amount of, you know, red pen marks or track changes yes. or whatever it is. And and even though it's ours, it still remains ours, but it does require refinement. Yes. And this is such a micro-specific document that one's ability, in my, in my opinion at the very least, one's ability to put this together will be uh, – will evidence – the ease by which you'll be able to get into, be it you know interviewing or networking or just that that comfort in talking about yourself in this to some new way. Yeah, it's developing the language around the things that you've done, how you've done it, and how you want to communicate that to others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And are you going to have to write a new one for every single job? Yeah, <laughs> well, sort of probably. Sort of probably. I would say uh, that we are. Um, when we're writing a cover letter, we'll start writing a few different paragraphs that we could imagine using again in other cover letters. Absolutely. So think of this as, you know, you might have uh, some paragraphs that you keep around on a Word doc um, that you can pull in when you see this will re- relate to the skills that this organization is looking for. Absolutely. I think it's worth saving every one of these you write in a file somewhere so that you can then look at them or a folder somewhere, excuse me, so that way you can then look at them and try to, you know, mix and match as time moves on. It'll definitely prove helpful and save you a little bit of time that way. Mix and match. (laughs) Excellent. Well, we want to thank everyone for joining us today and listening in. Um, We are at the Office of Career Strategy at Yale University. You can check out some of our publicly available resources at ocs.yale.edu. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, 
LinkedIn. Twitter. Twitter. Thank you very much, Molly. <laughs> We've got it all. We've got it all. <laughs> all the social media. We've got it all. We've got so many of them. Uh, but thanks for joining in, and we'll hope to see you next time. Take care. Bye.